Good morning. This is the Wearable Tech Insider podcast for the week of May 4th, 2015. I'm Dan Rosenbaum. This week, the Apple Watch is still dominating the wearables news, but there's also news about one of the pioneers in the smartwatch business, and a big-name Swiss watchmaker is setting an on-sale date for his Android Wear device. The Apple Watch. DisplayMate says that the Apple Sport Watch, the $350 watch, the low-end one, has actually a brighter screen, but the glass is more easily scratched than the main, the more expensive versions that are made out of steel and gold. It's because those two versions have a crystal made out of sapphire. And the sapphire is less transmissive, but also more scratch resistant than the Ion X glass that's used in the sport version. Now, scratching the screen of a $350 watch is one thing, but scratching the glass of a $700 watch or a $17,000 watch for the gold edition is something else really again. Making hardware is hard, and it's hard even for Apple. Now, the Wall Street Journal reported last week that one of the makers of the Taptic engine part of the Apple Watch, the thing that vibrates to notify you, they were shipping a flawed product, and that led to the short supply of the Apple Watch at the launch. Now, AEC Technologies Holdings was the the company that was supplying the part that wasn't quite right. And Apple needed to tell the other component makers for the Apple Watch to slow production until June because it didn't make any sense to have a big inventory of other parts if they didn't have this this one critical component that would work in a reliable way. It's not clear that it was the shortage of the Taptic engine that made the supply of the Apple Watch so constrained at launch or if they just orchestrated it for the purpose of marketing. Not that Apple, of course, would ever do that. Although it really seems likely that it was some combination of the three things and that Apple elected to make the best of a bad situation and rather than further delay the product that they used the shortage to create the buzz. Uh, Of course, no one is commenting substantively on any of this. This is all according to the Wall Street Journal. One more Apple thing. Whenever Apple introduces a new product, of course, a whole new accessories sub-industry grows up around it, and the Apple Watch is no exception. There's going to be a huge business in in add-on watch straps around the Apple Watch. Now, one of the first ones to talk about it is a company called Reserve Strap. Their idea is to put a battery into the watch band so the thing will last for more than 8, 10, 12 hours at a time. But in the course of their engineering, they discovered something interesting. There's this little port on the side of the Apple Watch that Apple isn't talking about. It's this great big secret. It's covered by a little door. No one knows what's in it. The guys at Reserve Strap have figured out that one of the things you could do with this is put power into it to run the watch. So rather than just building a watch that attaches to the induction charger on the back, they're going to build a band that plugs into that little port. Now, any number of things could go wrong with that because it's not documented. Apple is secretive. Apple just started a dev program for smart band manufacturers and they didn't mention the port anywhere. So the reserve strap it's an interesting idea. The idea of using the port is interesting, but I don't know about the business of building a whole company around an undocumented feature in a secretive company. This is Alfred Poor for Health Tech Insider. And this week, I want to talk about two car-related stories. The first one, BMW is actually developing an augmented reality system for their mini sports cars. Basically, these are head-mounted displays that communicate with the car and can provide a heads-up display of basic functions like speed and so forth. But it also can display information such as navigation information from GPS and turn-by-turn instructions and other information. 
One of the really cool features is cameras on the outside of the car can show you, you can actually look right through the car as if you had x-ray vision so that you can see how close you are to the curb when you're parking. On a different note, uh, McLaren is a company that's well known for its success in the Formula One race car circuit, but they also have a technology company that helps apply their technology to other applications. Now, race car drivers, you may not be aware of this, but they are actually very tightly monitored, uh, biometric data and their, all their performance and everything. And so what McLaren has done is they have developed systems that they're helping apply to hospital situations. For example, they have developed systems that will monitor the motions of surgeons uh, while they're in training and will actually be able to map their specific movements, compare them to the ideal movements of seasoned, experienced surgeons, and then can actually uh, analyze the progress that the student makes over time to see how their technique is, is improving. And another issue for hospitals is that uh, monitoring patients after being released from the hospital is very important these days. And the remote monitoring that McLaren has for its drivers can help hospitals monitor patients after they've been discharged so that the doctors and other healthcare workers can identify problems early on uh, before they develop into bigger problems and have more complications. The same technology also can be used to monitor patients in the wards in the hospital and help provide more information and require less time of the nurses and other staff and, and still provide better information. So there you have it, a couple stories about wearable technology connected with cars, saving lives, cutting costs, helping patients have better outcomes. For HealthTechInsider.com, I'm Alfred Poor. So rather than talk about new companies in the wearable space like Apple, let's talk about one of the older ones, a company called Omate. Omate's a French company, and they've been building smartwatches for well, almost two years now. One of their first ideas was to build a watch that used a, a SIM card in it, so you didn't need to, to tether it to a smartphone, but instead it could talk straight out into the, into the wider cell network. They shipped that successfully. They had a million-dollar Kickstarter, one of the first million-dollar Kickstarters. And they've announced in the, in the last year or so a bunch of, of other products, some of them really quite attractive, uh, none of them going direct to the net. They're all using the, the sort of standard uh, Bluetooth to your phone. But none of them have really shipped which doesn't mean they haven't been doing anything. They've been designing. They have this great deal with the Richline Group, which is a Berkshire Hathaway, a Warren Buffett company, that turns out to be the largest manufacturer of jewelry and distributor of jewelry into the mass market. It's a huge thing, but they're not shipping a lot. So Omate has just signed up with the 500 Startups Incubator in Mountain View. It's a very famous incubator, very successful incubator, and they're relocating their, their operations to the United States. So sometime in the next six months to a year, I think we're going to see some very, very interesting stuff out of Omate. We're joined now by Alfred Poor, the editor of HealthTechInsider.com. How are you today, Alfred? Just fine. Enjoying the beautiful spring weather we've got. So you've got uh, some opinions about the Apple Watch and healthcare. What's going on there? Well, I, I think we sort of started on the wrong foot when everybody somehow managed to confuse research kit with somehow being connected with the Apple Watch, which really there, there isn't any connection there. We are finally now beginning to see some apps uh, that I think are, are truly health tech kinds of applications. What sorts of stuff? Well, the one that caught my attention, um, Belltone is one of the leading manufacturers of hearing aids, especially mm -hmm. digital hearing aids. And digital hearing aids are completely different. If you're not familiar with them, they're amazing because old analog 
hearing aids pretty much just made everything louder. But digital allows you to use um, electronic filters to boost or cut the frequencies where your, your hearing is, is strong or weak. Um, can be adjusted for different ambient noise levels. If, you know, so you might have a different, want a different setting in, in a, a church service than you might want in a crowded restaurant or bar. Um, it's pretty magical all the things they can do. Well, the very cool thing that's happening, Belltone has an app that allows you to make adjustments to your hearing aid on the fly just using the Apple Watch. So when you want to turn something up and down, you instead of like pulling out your phone or cupping your ear, you look at your watch and you can you can actually adjust it on your watch. You actually adjust it on your watch. Just a couple taps can make a big difference. And you know you can call up a preset. You can make adjustments all very discreetly. No poking yourself in the ear or like you say hauling out the cell phone and diddling with it. So I thought that was a pretty good use of the the technology. It's it's a small step, but I think for in terms of quality of life. And convenience, I, I think it could be a really big step for a lot well, of people. What do you make of the Apple Watch in, in general for, for healthcare? Is this going to be a big deal? Well, you know, my problem is I don't know. On the one hand, the Apple Watch has the potential to be so much more than just a, a, a stupid pedometer. Presumably has the ability to measure pulse and heart rate variability and a bunch of other stuff. The fact is that we don't yet know how accurate those things are and, and how how well they can be used. Uh, we do have some early indications that there may be some problems. People with shirt sleeve tattoos, the Apple Watch apparently has trouble reading heartbeat information through the ink. So this is the kind of thing that we just don't know until it gets out in the field and people actually start testing it. And, and for me, the, the big thing is going to be getting into clinical situations and so that they can actually compare the data from the watch with you know, already established and, and calibrated kinds of, of measures. It's very similar to what we've seen in the fitness bands. Some fitness bands apparently have been tested and found to be within 5% accurate of the distance that you walk. Others, it's more like 20%. If, if, a, a, you know, if a health device is only within 20%, that's not accurate enough. Um, and that can lead to all sorts of problems. Is, so. the, is the problem with, with the Apple Watch and uh, and, and tattoos, uh, is that true just for the Apple Watch, or, or is that true across any device that uses the light and the LEDs to figure out heartbeat? Okay, yeah. So the, the first thing is um, there are a lot of different ways that devices measure heartbeat, and one of the things about Apple, as you mentioned, is they're using LEDs with optical sensors, light, light sensors, to measure changes in, under the skin and determining the heartbeat based on that. Would tattoo ink be a problem for anyone using that design? Well, in theory, I, I would be willing to say, you know, it's not, it's not guaranteed because there's all different kinds of wavelengths that can be used from near infrared through green and other colors that could be used for this. You already have to have issues with uh, people with different pigmentation levels in their skin. So I, I don't think that optical heart measuring, heartbeat measuring is necessarily a losing proposition. It's just that it's not clear to me. It won't be until we actually get some clinical data that we'll know whether or not they actually work the way the way they are intended to, to work. I think part of Apple's problem is that they kind of paint a target on themselves by using superlatives all the time. Um, that's just their marketing position, that this is the best, most amazing, awesomest, unique, first. Those are the kinds of words that they use. And for a lot of people, that creates a pushback. And, and as yet, Apple hasn't proven a, a lot of the positioning claims that they've made for their product. Alfred Poor is the editor of Health Tech Insider. You can read and subscribe at healthtechinsider.com. Thanks for coming in today, Alfred. 
thanks so much for the opportunity and I look forward to doing this again. Now, one last thing. The Swiss luxury watch manufacturers have been sort of turning up their noses at, at smartwatches for the last year or so until now they're just sort of finally getting around to deciding that this is a business they want to be in. Uh, Tag Heuer, which is part of the uh, LVMH uh, luxury conglomerate, well, they said a few months ago that they're going to be coming out with a, with a smartwatch, and now we know a little bit more about it. It's going to run Android Wear. It's going to go on sale in November, and it's going to cost $1,400. Start saving your pennies now. If an Apple Watch isn't going to do it for your loved one, Tag Heuer, $1,400, November. And that's all for this week. The Wearable Tech Insider Podcast is a production of Center Ring Media, Brooklyn, New York. Alfred Poor is on the health beat. The music's by Michael Roth and productions by me, Dan Rosenbaum. Check out our daily updates at wearabletechinsider.com and healthtechinsider.com. And by all means, subscribe to this podcast and our weekly email newsletters there. For Wearable Tech Insider, I'm Dan Rosenbaum. Thanks for listening. See you next time.